Welcome in, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, my name is Dan. I've got my partner here with me as well, Chris Schimmel. You can follow us on Twitter. First things first, we want to get our plugs in. Follow me on Twitter at DK all the way. Chris, where can the people find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter as at Chris Schimmel. At Chris Schimmel. Make sure that you uh, follow <laughs> both of us as we go through this adventure, the Pack-A-Day podcast that we've both been uh, very privileged to jump on with. Speaking of the podcast, make sure that you follow the podcast as we get started on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And then our regular daily podcast start up on July 26th in uh, alignment with the opening of training camp. I know Chris and I will be jumping on there throughout uh, time to time as the season gets started and training camp. Just, I cannot believe, Chris, that Training camp literally starts in, in less than two weeks, and then we're less than a month away from the very first preseason game. I mean, we're like four weeks away from not having to worry about no football for like the next eight months. Right. I know. Like Now that the World Cup is over with, now we can switch right. over to real American football. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that time flies so crazy. It, I mean, it helps with you know basketball, the NBA, and the World yeah. Cup, but now finally – Football is finally back. Yeah, I'm on board with you. That At least the World Cup wet the paddle a little bit as we lead right into this. Now, obviously, the Pack-A-Day podcast, as it gets started and we start doing things on a daily basis, we'll look more in-depth into everyday Packer news, keep you up to date with free agent signings, injuries, what's going on in training camp, getting ready for game plans for the games each week. But right now, we're taking a deeper dive into our position groups. This episode, you and I have been selected to take a look at the outside linebackers, I think a group that is very interesting to look at as a micro unit, but also a group, in my opinion, I think has been a weak spot for this team, at least the last couple of years. You could probably even argue even further back than yet, maybe five, almost really, I think almost to a year or two after the Super Bowl. What's uh, what is your overall take on it, Chris? I completely agree. The the outside linebackers are basically the heart and soul of any 3-4 defense. They're the edge rushers. Just take a look at a couple of years ago. You had Julius Peppers. You had Mike Neal, Clay Matthews. Well, now Peppers is gone. Mike Neal's gone. And then even Dayton Jones, for how good he was, he's now gone. They have to rebuild. And Clay Matthews, if you take a look at his minutes, they're racking up. They're going up and up and up. And they have no choice. You know, they have Nick Perry and Kyler Fackrell. Vince Beagle and Reggie Gilbert and Clay Matthews really hasn't had, you know, a sidekick on the opposite side of him really besides just peppers. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are obviously your first two on either side. And if we look at last year, both had seven sacks clay, that was his highest amount that he's had since 2014. So as much as you know, he's kind of had a drop as the years have gone on, and you mentioned those injuries as well, He's he actually last year had somewhat of a bounce-back season. Nick Perry, obviously as well, very injury-prone, and then all of those backups have really – they've never been able to find enough guys to take some of those minutes away from Clay. You mentioned all of his minutes – you want to give him a rest and you want him to be able to heal. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because if you take a look at some of his minutes last year, 
in the 14 games that he played, he had over 80% of the defensive snaps seven times compared to doing that only once in 2016. And I took a look of the seven games where he played over 80% of the snaps, only two of them resulted in sacks. The other five sacks he got all were below 75 percentage of the defensive snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, really, if you want to look like from an economic standpoint, the return on investment from the, the amount of time that he's investing into this defense, there's almost been no return back for as much as he's putting into this, into this team. And, you know, the thing that, that strikes me with this year is even with all the injuries that he's had last year, he was able to play 14 out of 16 games, which is at least pretty big for him. I mean, he might not be getting the same amount of production out of all the time that he's putting into these games, but he's at least there, which I think is a step in the right direction for him. Oh, Someone definitely that's dealt with injuries like that. Definitely, It's a game of nutrition. He missed a lot of games in 2016. And then of course he had two, what, two and a half sacks the first four games mm-hmm. going in. And I thought, good, you know, it's going to be a bounce back year. But then all of a sudden he goes five straight games without a sack. And also when it, when it comes to Clay Matthews, a lot of his sacks, they come in bunches. Yeah, he had three three of his seven and a half sacks came against Tampa Bay, which meant that he only had four and a half sacks over the last thirteen games. Same with Nick Perry. Nick Perry had three against Chicago, out of seven, so that means he only had four sacks of the next eleven games. So they're very very spread out. It's like they get all their sacks against one team and then they'll fizzle out the next two or three games. So they just need to find that consistency, and the key to that is having good depth behind them, so they don't need to wear their bodies down every week. Yeah, and on on top of that point as well, Chicago and Tampa Bay, those are against mediocre average quarterbacks at best. They're not getting them against, you know, a Matt Ryan or a Drew Brees, you know. They're against they're against teams and offenses that are trying to throw the ball a lot more because they're behind and they've got the ability to kind of tee off on them a little bit more. So, you kind of take those with a bit of a a bit of a grain of salt as you go through focusing on Nick Perry a little bit more, he still almost posted career best numbers dealing with injury last year. To me, Nick Perry is definitely still as much injuries as he's had the last couple of years. He's still the future of this position group for the Packers. I mean, obviously I think Matthew still is seat one a in the locker room, just due to tenure and the presence that he has there. But Nick Perry, you've got to start to kind of build around him as your number one guy, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and and at the same time, that thought is a little bit scary because, you know, it's kind of crazy that he was drafted back in 2012. In in his first four seasons, he had just 12 and a half sacks. Then all of a sudden, boom, he comes out, he gets 11. And then last last year, he got seven, which is the second best. And so it's crazy that he's, he's a veteran. So it's kind of usually you build around a player right when they're getting their peak within the first Mm -hmm. couple of years in the league. He's already been around for a while, which really shows that they need to rebuild. And it's too bad because this draft did not have that many great pass rushers. That's why they loaded up on good defensive backs, which I'm happy about, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Gunku said it in the post-draft press conferences and everything. You know, we waited till the seventh round to get an outside edge rusher, but really there was nobody there. So if you've got, you've had the need in several other places, and if you want to bulk up anywhere, you might as well take your shots at uh, at the cornerback position in there. And, you know, we kind of talked about the lack of depth 
that this outside linebacker group has has had. When you kind of think about it, Matthews has really not gotten the kind of support that a lot of Packers fans have called for when it comes to like an Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, everyone talks about getting weapons around him, getting people to surround him. But really, Clay Matthews, kind of the second most notable player in this locker room, absolutely gets no help and almost kind of is expected to do a lot more with a lot less than what Aaron Rodgers seems to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that's also frustrating because, you know, they say it's a quarterback's game. Offense scoring is what gets people in the seats. At the same time, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. You took a look at all of the great defenses. I mean, I, I just have to say, look back at the 2015 Broncos. You have Von yep. Miller. Von Miller, great pass rusher. But John Elway said, you know, he's, you know you're not going to win it all with just one good outside linebacker. So he goes out and he gets to Marcus Ware. And I thought that the way Von Miller and Demarcus Ware really uh, molded together, I thought that was going to be Matthews and Peppers. The difference, though, is yeah. – Peppers was a little bit older, but I mean, still look what he did when he went back to Carolina. So I still didn't understand how they didn't mold together the way the Broncos did. Yeah. It just, he's never really had that Robin to his, yeah, he really hasn't. you know, I mean, I remember being absolutely over the moon when they drafted Nick Perry originally, because I thought this guy's, he's another USC guy. Oh, he's yeah. going to be, you know, a younger Clay Matthews. And just imagine having those two, and they've just never been able to really it's almost been they've never been healthy enough they've never at the been same on the they never been on the field at the same time right exactly and, and it's also crazy cuz you know the Clay Matthews two best seasons 2010 he had 13 and a half sacks 2012 he had 13 who were who was opposite of him you had Eric Walden mm-hmm. you had Frank Zombo you know nobody's and that yeah. was when he was in the prime of his career then the backups you know Vince Beagle I think basically had a red shirt season yeah and then I, one player I really want to look into is Reggie Gilbert. He was on the he was on the practice squad until the last two weeks of the year when he came in when Nick Perry got hurt. And in those two games, he had two quarterback hits, two quarterback pressures, and a sack. So now he has a now I really think that this offseason is going to be big for him and see what he what he's made of. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Reggie Gilbert. He's he seems like someone that's really poised to do big things this year because. You mentioned he came in last year as an undrafted free agent, and he's been kind of one of the ones in the OTAs and early on that people are talking about him. And now he basically gets to come in. Everyone knows who he is coming into training camp. He gets to make a first impression with a brand new defensive coordinator and really make a name for himself if he wants to. So, yeah, he is poised to come out if he can make it happen. He can take time away from some of these guys like Beagle and like uh, a Kyler Fackrell. Exactly. And I actually think that the way he played, I was like, where was this guy earlier in this right. season? They could have used this guy. And so finally he jumps out. And now this offseason is going to be big for him. And then Vince Beagle, too, because think about it. He missed all of training camp last year with the, with the broken foot. So he didn't have any experience going up against NFL talent before mm-hmm. he was thrown in. And then uh, Kyler Fackrell. Uh, this is really make it or break it, I feel, for him. You know, he had 29 games his first two years, five sacks. But one thing that I did notice is that in his three sacks, all three of them came when he played over 50% of the snaps. When he played below that in the other 11 games, he didn't get any. 
So I think the more time you give him, I feel the better he'll get. The only problem though is the only the only problem though is it really is hit or miss, I feel, with him. He right. lacks upper body strength. He really gets thrown around at the line of scrimmage. So he really needs to gain some more weight, I feel, or else I think he's going to be gone. Yeah, especially with a guy like Reggie Gilbert kind of nipping at your heels a little in OTAs and training camp. You know, there was there was calls last year for Fackrell to be gone, to give up on the Kyler Fackrell experiment. Yeah, especially it, since he was a what, he a third round pick too. Right. Oh it's yeah. Third round pick and he had kind of the same measurables as a Clay Matthews, you know, people were really high on him coming out of Utah State and he really has not lived up to it. So, yeah, I think this is a make or break season for him and hopefully you know, with a guy like Reggie Gilbert, even maybe if he doesn't come in to training camp and win a role on the team, maybe he's a guy that can push a Kyler Fack role to finally take the next step. Oh, yeah. It's called it's creative tension. You get yep. two guys. This is exactly what Bill Walsh did. You know, with Joe Montana, you got Steve Young. Increase your level of performance. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Reggie Gilbert's got to do that to Kyler Fack role. And then so does Vince Beagle. Yeah, and as we talk about these guys here in the background behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, at least in the past, it was kind of wishful thinking, but now with the new era in the front office, the Gunkus era in the front office, I think it is more fun to maybe talk about a free agent pickup. Personally, I look at a Connor Barwin last year with the Rams had a fairly decent season, and he only made $3.5 million last year. He's a guy that has the NFL experience. If he comes in and provides at least some kind of rotational depth as these young guys sort of try to fill in. Not only that, but he'll be a leadership and teach these guys yes, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think a, I think a free agent pickup of him, I think now it's before with Ted Thompson, it was kind of a, a pipe dream you know, maybe we could do this if we didn't have Ted Thompson running things. But now with <laughs> with Gunkust in here, it's like, well, yeah, like maybe we can go out and make some kind of trade or or pick up a Connor you know, Barwin. I, I was thinking that too. The, the problem was this this free agency, there weren't a lot of good pass rushers who were yeah. out on the free agent market. But the previous year, Connor Barwin's a perfect example because if you take a look at his numbers, he's played in both 4-3 defenses and 3-4 defenses. If you take a look at his numbers, he was best in a 3-4. Yeah. Yeah. When he was with the Houston Texans, he was fantastic. And I really thought that he would really consider Green Bay. Yeah. With me, there's so many things. Last year, it was a wasted season, obviously, with with Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers injury. And I think that there could have been so many things different that would have happened if Ted Thompson isn't in place last year. That's one of them. Another one, I think that if Gunkus is in charge last year. You make a decision to trade Clay Matthews before the trade deadline. That is what Bill Belichick would have done. Exactly. That's Bill Belichick philosophy I live my life by. Bill Belichick gets rid of guys when he thinks they still have a little bit of value and he oversells them and people buy it. That's what he does all, all the time. And I really think they could have gotten something for Clay Matthews had they gotten rid of him. But I think they took the, of course, the Ted Thompson conservative route and it's eating up cap space. Yeah. And not only, not only was it just typical Ted Thompson, but I think he was trying to salvage that season 
in an attempt to maybe save his job in a certain way. I don't know how there's reports of how connected he was really to being in the position anymore, but I think he kind of got scared about really giving up on that season after Rogers got hurt and was out for the rest of the season. And with Clay Matthews, he's on the last year of his deal. You're going to have a hard time trying to move him if you wanted to move him. Now you have to play the, uh, you know, the Russian roulette of what's going to happen with him this year. Is he going to get hurt? Is he, are we going to be able to keep him? What do we do with him after this year? If you had traded him last year, I think that's probably your best Absolutely. Overall. So that that to me is another reason why Clay Matthews needs to play out of his mind this year. He's playing for his career. He's playing yeah. for his future. And if he, that's why, you know, one thing that kind of upset me was when Clay Matthews went back to being a pure outside linebacker in 2016. And because he had to, because they lost mm-hmm. you know, Julius Peppers was, was low, was going, Mike Neal was going, and then Dayton Jones was gone. They brought Clay Matthews back to the outside when he played inside the last, you know, one and a half years. But people tend to forget that in 2014, the first eight games when he was out outside linebacker, he had only two sacks. Then they switched him to play more on the inside. And in the final eight games, he had nine because they were moving him around the field. And so when he went back to outside, everyone's like, yes, now we can chase the quarterback. And I said, no, it's not going to be as effective. (laughs) And also, if you take a look, how, uh, like I said earlier, that Clay Matthews played over 80% of the snaps in 2015, he had nine games where he played a hundred and he, and be, why? Because he was healthy because he was playing inside. So I always thought that it would be best to keep move him inside. Then sometimes move him outside, but they're so low on outside linebackers that they have no choice, but to put him at outside. And that's what makes him get hurt. That's why he's not as good as he used to be. I, I would, I would agree as well. You move him inside. And how many times did we see this past year of Clay Matthews overrunning a play, taking himself out of the play, and yeah, he's over aggressive, right? He's trying, you know, it almost feels like he's trying to prove that he hasn't lost that it, step. It, around it's the like edge. a, it's like a baseball player who's swinging for the fences yep. every time, instead of just looking to get on base, you want the home run ball. And, uh, and, and Clay Matthews, I mean, he's still a phenomenal athlete, but if you, if you've seen him play last year, he had, I think I, I just looked at the film earlier today. I only saw him beat a left tackle for a sack only twice out of his seven and a half sacks. And one of them was he had a freebie. Dean Lowry took the left tackle and Matthews had a clean shot right at Jameis Winston. And so he, he really doesn't, he's not the guy who goes up against a left tackle anymore. And you take a look, uh, he had one and a half sacks against Atlanta where he lined up over the right guard and then went around the right tackle. So they're really trying to be creative, trying to open up matchups for him because he's not the guy anymore that just say, Hey, beat this guy in front of you. Yeah. I think that's what kind of makes it so interesting about the idea of him getting put in the middle is because you've got so much beef up front that can move that line it opens up so much for him in the middle oh yeah because the Packers their defensive line is their biggest strength right now you know you have Kenny Clark who's molding into one of the best players at his position in the league Mike Daniels who I think is one of the best defensive ends in a 3-4 defense Mm -hmm. and then Dean Lowry he's getting better and better and better that's why, you know, I love getting these guys like Dean Lowry out of Northwestern. You know, they're smart. They beat you with their brains. Mm-hmm. And then add in a Montrevious Adams. He basically had a redshirt year, too. He's just like a Vince Beagle. He really needs to prove that he belongs. And then th- and throw in uh, Mo Wilkerson coming oh, yeah. in as well. He's the cherry on top right now. Yeah. Like, great <laughs> signing. And, of course, he has uh, so much experience with our new defensive coordinator. It's uh-huh. great. 
so as you kind of wrap things up, Chris, uh, a look at what we're expecting out of the linebacker, the outside linebacking core this season. What what's something that you're hoping that you see? What's an expectation that you have? That your a goal that you're hoping someone meets? What is it from you? Well, whenever I go into a football season, I always think to myself, I right, expect every player to miss a couple of games due to injuries, mm-hmm. but not too much. I think number one is stay healthy. I want to see Matthews and those guys play at least 12, 13 games, nothing more than that. Probably get some hamstring tweaks. But other than that, I really think that uh, I want to see uh, Fackrell improve, especially on the line, not get pushed around, really setting the edge. And I really think that also the secondary, if it really lives up to what it's supposed to be, that's going to help these outside linebackers a lot. Yeah. You know, it really is a team game. You can't say, well, the outside linebackers are going to crush it, but everyone else stinks. They all work together. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can really see – I'd like to see Clay Matthews take the next step of his career. And by that, I mean transition from being a – you know, hair on fire, game disruptor every single play to being a guy that kind of picks his battles and figures out where he fits in the system. And I'm excited to see what Petten can do with moving him around and putting him in different places and in these different schemes. So I'm hoping Clay Matthews kind of develops into this next stage of his career. And I hope that we see I like uh, Nick Perry. You mentioned the injuries. I hope that he continues to stay healthy. It always seems like at least for a couple of games a year, he's going to have a cast on his arm. Uh, so I, I just ex- anticipate that happening every single year. And then these, it's always the arm. Always it's the always arm. the arm. <laughs> always the arm with him. What is he going to the same doctor? Or I know. And but and for some reason, it always seems when he gets that cast on. He plays with a little bit more of an edge, and he comes out as a different guy. So it's maybe he just – His strengths is upper body strength. He just bull rushes. Yeah, just uses that as a club and knocks people out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, with the younger guys too, I'm really excited to see what Reggie Gilbert can do, especially in training camp and these first couple of uh, the preseason games and whatnot. You know, and as we talk about the preseason, our first podcast that we're doing together for the Pack-A-Day podcast, August 9th, and that's the first preseason game against the Titans. We're going to be the first ones out of this whole crew doing a or releasing the game day podcast. So a lot on our shoulders as we head into the start of all this. Yeah, but it's exciting, especially I know Very. it's pre I know it's preseason, but I'd like to see them actually beat the Titans after what happened the last time they played. Yeah, that oh, God. they scored they scored on four of their first five possessions. Marcus Mariota was tearing them up, but so I want to see this defense really do something to prove that they're not going to allow a touchdown on four of the first five possessions. Yeah, thank you for giving me uh, the Vietnam style flashback to that terrible, <laughs> terrible game. But again, our uh, the daily podcasts start up on July twenty sixth as long or alongside the. Uh, start of training camp so make sure that you are subscribing rating the podcast leave us a comment on here as well follow me again on twitter dk all the way chris your twitter your twitter again chris schimmel Schimmel. with a k K k-r-i-s k-r-i-s like chris kringle just (laughs) follow him on twitter there uh and make sure you follow the pack a day podcast as well at pack a day podcast uh for my partner chris schimmel 
This is Dan Connick signing off. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.